Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. All right, Roan, we are back for another episode. Man, it's always good to be with you uh, in the in the studio. You're, you're, you, you, you know, we, we started early this morning. Uh, yeah. I see you didn't have time to do your hair. Well, you're like the old man in the sea, you know, like age is your alarm clock. And I'm like, I know, I set my alarm and I'm like, I know Roan probably didn't have to do this because we're not getting together until, you know, just before the sun comes up. I'm, I'm old, you know, I have to get up and I have to pee. What's your, I was just about to ask, what's your morning routine like? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I it's get like up. a lot of shuffling. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, just yeah, shuffle, shuffle, uh, trinkle, <laughs> trinkle. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> that is awesome. Look, this episode we're pretty fired up because uh, believe it or not, you do have friends, and some of them are long term. And it, it's uh, amazing. A few have, have been willing to have conversation with you. This episode is a conversation between you and a friend. He's becoming a friend of mine, Eli Machen. This guy has a lot of smart things to say. Uh, Eli, you know, I always say I'm, I'm just I'm I'm pretty stupid, but I'm smart enough to surround myself with good people, um, smart people. Um, That's why I'm here. It, yeah, I I I affirm that. Yes, <laughs> uh, and so Eli, we've known Eli for many years. Uh, he's been a mentor and friend of ours, and you know the experience and wisdom that Eli has is just i mean it's a wealth of knowledge uh and experience and i uh, always just love hanging out with him i think i say it in the episode it's like hanging out with yoda and gandalf or something but man he is um he is uh, pretty amazing and you know some of the things that even in this episode that he talks about uh, are so insightful and that's just because of the years, uh, I think over 40 years of doing this work, it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, he's got some stuff figured out. One of those things that surprised me in this conversation, not, not to tease out too much, but he makes a statement that he sees more divorces occur not over sexual acting out, although you know that's there and maybe a catalyst for pursuing help. He sees more divorces happen over lies and secrets than the actual acting out. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things we talk about is just this idea that, you know, the spouse um, can can handle the truth, but what they can't handle is is the deception. Um, and, it, it you know, we talk about gaslighting. Uh, you know, that's one of the biggest factors in, you know, whether the relationship is going to survive but boy, that uh, it's like you, you know you can't handle the truth, um, uh, to quote Jack Nicholson. Uh, but uh, the reality is they can handle the truth. Uh, it's the deception that takes them out. Yeah, because it just compromises an environment of safety. So I'm, I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear this pretty extensive conversation about what it's like to be the betrayer or what it's like to be betrayed and how to regulate as a couple after that and just investment in your own health. So without further delay, here is a conversation with Eli Machen. We have a very special guest and dear friend, uh, Mr. Eli Machen. Uh, Eli has um, been around in this counseling world um, since Methuselah, I think. I don't know, Eli. You're not you're not quite that old, are you? No, he's a few years older than I am. <laughs> but you did you did know him. So yes. um, man, I uh just, you know, for our listeners, uh Eli has done about everything you can do in in counseling and therapy world from uh running uh, uh inpatient treatment centers to uh, doing intensives uh, on a national level and um, and is known um, nationally and internationally uh, for the work that he's done. Uh, truly one of the pioneers in uh, our world of kind of sexual addiction, sexual brokenness, and, and partner work. Uh, Eli really is one of the first people that really began to 
develop uh, work with partners, um, and that's when we use that term, that's um, the spouse of a um, someone that has uh, betrayed. And so the partner is the, the spouse of uh, sexual brokenness in whatever form that takes, and it takes a lot of different forms. Um, and Eli uh, was one of the uh, first people, first therapist to really begin to focus in on what we now know as betrayal trauma. Um, there wasn't a whole lot out there. Uh, when Eva and I got into recovery in 19, there was nothing on there. Nobody was working with the with the partner, and um, and uh, we suffered greatly because of that. So Eli's work has been um, just um, certainly uh, fundamental in beginning to help uh, couples heal, um, and and certainly helping partners heal uh, because of uh, working with betrayal trauma. And he, I always say, Eli is like um, it's like hanging out with Yoda and Gandalf. Um, and I, he he's not quite as short as Yoda, um, and he's not quite as old as Gandalf. So he's somewhere in between those two. <laughs> Eli, uh, glad glad you're on the on the show with us uh, this morning. Uh, thanks for being here, man. Well, thank you for inviting me, Ron. And uh, this is a topic that's close to my heart, and um, obviously my work for many years. So I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Yes, always, and it's just just uh, always great to hang out with you in whatever setting we're hanging out, uh, whether that's uh, holding fly fishing rods in our hand and uh, fishing on a river or, or on the ocean or just, you know, I don't fishing anywhere. Uh, it's just fishing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, hanging out with you on, a, on our podcast is just, just as much fun. So, uh, you know, the thing that uh, we're going to, uh, talk about today is just this idea of betrayal um and and the spouse and 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 how how does a spouse heal from betrayal um and in in this uh, betrayal trauma uh, because we often say we say it um in our book we say it uh, all the time uh, but there's no greater crisis level in a relationship uh, certainly in a marriage uh, where there's some form of betrayal um, uh, on a, uh, in a, of a sexual nature. Um, and uh, we say it is the greatest crisis level in a marriage, um, uh, possibly, certainly the death of a child uh, would, be, would be there. Um, but this betrayal trauma and, and helping partners heal from that, Eli, is, um, is just a... It is a crisis level, and uh, there's a there's a lot of emotional dysregulation that's occurring. Um, everybody's spinning, and man, um, just you know, just on a basic level, you know, when when you are dealing with that, uh, kind of right out of the gate, uh, what would you say? I mean, just kind of the first the first step uh, when that when that person shows up in in your office or um uh in in your work well first i think that um normalizing what the spouse is going through mentally as well as emotionally uh you know we know that our thoughts drive our emotions and so you know helping them to understand that the reaction to being betrayed gaslit lied to deceived and living a life with someone that that life was not real in their minds as to what they thought happened as opposed to what really did happen uh, with the person who betrayed or, or gaslit and knew all along. And that's the big confusion, uh, Ron, in, with, between, in the marriage. You said this is a big crisis in marriage. It's because the one who did the betraying always knew. So it's very hard for them to be pathetic because their brain and what science is showing us today is that the lower part of the brain, you know, has a perception of who we are based on our, our experiences of our external world. So there's that implicit knowledge, like I know how to ride a bike and the explicit knowledge is I know what a bike is. Now, when those two don't match, the brain goes into panic because our brain 
desperately wants confidence in knowing. And so when a, when a partner suddenly wakes up one day and realizes that the person they've been married to is not who they thought, uh, the life that they've lived is probably not real, and or at least the relationship part, and that they're now not real sure who they are. And that's the mental dilemma that the brain goes through and all the panic. And so then the emotions that follow that. <clears throat> and so that's, so keep in the dynamic of the relationship, the, the, the portrayer has no clue why this is the so. I just talked to a, a young man, or not that young, but a man yesterday, uh, two days ago, had breakfast with him. He says, oh, well, my, my, I've told my wife everything. And she's, she's, she's fine now. <clears throat> and so I said, well, yeah, right. And I didn't go any further with the conversation, but the deal is, no, his wife is not all right. She's still suffering. And that the, the lack of understanding of what she's got to go through in rebuilding her own trust in herself. Do I know or, or is what I know real? And so this is the basic that I, I try to, so I'd be sitting there talking to that partner that's in my office. And I say, okay, the biggest and most important job you got right now is trusting yourself. Trusting that what you see is real, what you hear coming out of somebody else's mouth is real or not. And that that inner polygrapher inside you, your spirit, your human spirit inside of you is registering truth or lie. And that's the, that's the big step. It's always difficult um, when the betrayer uh, has, you know, come clean, you know, uh, even done, you know, disclosure, uh, you know, passed the polygraph. Um, and then the partner is, is still um, like in this space kind of stuck you know, I, I can't trust you. Uh, I feel like there's, there's more, uh, you're not telling me. And, you know, it's, they'll, they'll talk about that intuition and, and, and the betrayer is, he's like, I've, I've told you everything. And then she's, she's still stuck. And, and in her gut, her intuition, her spirit is telling her, um, he, he hasn't been honest. Um, just, how, how, what, what do you do when, when that's in play? Well, first of all, I say, don't trust him. Amen. However, I follow that up with saying, okay, determine what it's going to take for him to earn it back. Yeah. And so that's a long and arduous process. Sorry, anybody out there that's a portrayer hearing this, because that takes a long time to build it back up. It's a fragile foundation and each fractured later by misrepresenting something, not following through with honesty, rigor, rigorous honesty, and uh, things that don't line up for the spouse or partner is like all of a sudden they're up and they're back at square one. See, I can't trust you. Okay. And, and so bottom line is, is that with, with, the, with the man, it says, okay, are you willing to earn her trust or his trust? And so whoever is the betrayer, Say, are you willing to earn that trust back? Then I start building and say, okay, what's it going to take to, to earn that? And then I tell the, the, the partner, all right, then now it's your job to allow him to earn that trust. You don't have to trust him, but, you, but are you willing to allow him to build that trust? And then it's up to the, the betrayer to decide if he's going to do that or he or she's going to do that kind of work. Yeah, you know when we when you know doing these you know, podcasts and and even when even I you know in writing the book, it it you know the terminology is always tricky because you know not everybody that goes and acts out um, is is a sex addict uh, and and not every guy that looks at porn is a porn addict and and just like with this, um, you know it's just the the terminology we. It'd be easy to say that you know the the addict, but um, you know the term betrayer um, is, I think, probably appropriate because it's just it's not always addiction. I always tell people, and I've heard you say it too. I, I don't have a hammer, you know, uh, looking for a nail uh, because I work in the arena of you know sexual addiction, um, and so you know betrayer and and the betrayed one. Um, you know, that's just our, our terminology. Um, and then, 
I think, um, you know, what, what you're talking about when that, when the spouse, um, and typically I'll just say that that's, you know, in my case, you know, that's um, a woman, a female spouse, uh, because men are just not as intuitive. Um, and, you know, one of the things, you know, Eva is telling her, we're telling her is to, you know, you, you have to begin to trust your gut. You know, you've got to trust that instinct. Um, however, it, you know, it's not always uh, 100% spot on. And so, as you said, it's like you've got to be willing to take the risk to trust again and being open to it and watching what he, he does. Uh, and I think we're probably just going to use, you know, uh, in, in our, just for our talk today, you know, the, the man is the betrayer and the, the, the woman is the betrayed one. It's just easier as we kind of talk this through, but certainly it can work both ways. Um, but you've, you've got to be willing to take the risk, um, to trust again, to allow trust to be created. Um, and I always say, uh, the, the work of the betrayer is, is, he's got to create safety before trust will ever come. Um, and it's, as you said, I often just, I look at the guy and I go, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. Um, and I, I'll ask him, how, how long have you been acting out? <laughs> you, you know, uh, you've been doing something in your marriage for that amount of time. It may take that amount of time for her to heal? Um, are you willing to do what it takes? It's a lifelong process of, am I living in truth with that person that I live with? And truth will always come before safety. And without safety, there's no trust in the relationship. So there's the two dynamics that I say, are you living in rig rigorous, transparent truth? And I call it just being buck naked with your partner. And it is everything that comes out, because I've seen more divorces over the lies than the actual any kind of slips, relapses, or whatever else. Gosh, I, that's I'm, so yeah, true. And the reason for that is that if I don't know the truth, then I don't feel safe. If I don't feel safe, then I'm not going to trust you. And so, I, you know, a lot of times I go to this is what's going to create safety? A lot of times uh, partners, betrayed partners, will look at me and say, I don't know. And so part of their job is to say, okay, what's, you determine what's going to be safe for you. I don't care if it's finances, raising the children, uh, infidelity, it, whatever it is. What's going to create safety? Because if you don't get safety and you don't get trust, you're not going to have vulnerability or intimacy. And I think that's the way God has built us all, to pursue that. And so, you know, working with the, the betrayed partner and however they've been betrayed is that, you know, how do we get to a level of truth? And like you were saying earlier, you know, how do I know I'm hearing truth? Well, yeah. it, it, well, it's like maybe you need to accept and verify <laughs> whatever, but, you know, make sure it is there. And the, and the proof of the, of the burden of proof is on the person who betrayed, not the spouse or partner that got betrayed. And that's the big difference. It's like a lot of times you've worked with them too, is that they get into this hyper vigilant uh, uh, investigation because they got to know the truth. Well, as long as you do that, you're never going to trust the other one anyway, because you're going to say, well, if I hadn't been doing all the research, all the investigations, private, private eye stuff, then I won't know. Well, you know, you'll never, you'll never be able to trust that person. So finding out for you what the burden of proof on truth, truth is on the portrayer. And then what's, for the partner, what creates safety for you? And that's important. It doesn't matter what the other, the betrayer thinks is safe. It's like, it's for the person who's been betrayed, what is safety for you? And then, then Ron, like you're saying, trust can be built on that kind of platform. The longer I feel safe, the more I'm going to trust me. I'm going to trust what I know, feel, intuit, think, whatever. And so the safer I feel, the less anxiety I have, the less anxiety I have, the less I'm going to panic. If I panic, then I become a petulant six-year-old 
working with the lower part of my brain, which is not very smart. And it's usually filled with anxiety. Yeah. And it, it, it's not going to end well. No. <laughs> um, you know, that it, you know, the, the, the Hebrew word for trust, uh, it, you know, literally means safety and security. So, you know, safety and security are the, just, that's the foundation of trust. And, you know, I tell guys, uh, and, you know, I think just from a practical standpoint, um, I think it's easier to understand and even you can get more practical with this idea of, you know, what does it mean to create safety for, for your spouse? Um, and, and, I mean, those are the practical things like, you know, communicating and um, I'm going to let her know where I'm going. I'm going to let her know what I'm doing. If my plans change, um, I'm going to inform her of that. Um, and I mean, there's just, there's a ton of ways, uh, very practically, uh, in to create safety and, and certainly in working with men, you know, uh, you know, men, we just, we need a list, uh, <laughs> Get, give me a list. You know, I, I can I can do these things, uh, but when he's we're thinking about some kind of existential concept of trust, uh, I think creating safety is just much more practical. Uh, yes, absolutely, and it lowers the anxiety within the relationship. So, uh, I, I know that somebody who has betrayed struggles with the fear that if I'm truthful and you really knew who I was, then you wouldn't like me or you'd reject me. And so the concept of living a false life or living in secret or living without full disclosure uh, is feel safe. And yet, I've, you know, I've been doing this for 46 years. I've, you know, I've never seen it work that way. It's always, I'll disclose who I am. You know who I am. This is where I do, like you were just saying earlier, everything. I live transparent. And if I know that I'm accepted and loved at that level, I mean, there's nowhere, there's no need to hide. I now feel safe and I can live in truth. And I think that's the dilemma that if I tell you the truth about who I am, you won't like me. And I, I believe that's a lie. Yeah. It, that, you know, that's the thing that, that certainly uh, keeps, um, uh, you know, us betrayers, which I are one, uh, you know, that's the thing that keeps us kind of bound up um, in our shame. Uh, and, you know, so much of the acting out behaviors, you know, shame driven, um, for sure. There's a shame core there. Um, and then, you know, that kind of manifest in the, in the healing process is, is going victim. Um, because, you know, it's like, you know, we've, we've been at this for three months. <laughs> she, discovery happened three months ago and, and, you know, she still doesn't trust me. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm like, dude, uh, you, you just being a victim, uh, man, you, you, you rocked her world. You changed everything. And, and somehow, you know, you have this expectation that, uh, yeah, you, you come, you've come clean. It's been discovered, and uh, now she's just supposed to be, you know, uh, all good and hunky dory. Um, that's just that goes into that victim mindset. Um, that certainly uh, on the be betrayer side, uh, that piece is always in play. And so, you know, in working with 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 him, um, I've got to work on. And it, you, you know, too, it's just like, man, it's moving from kind of the idea of moving from victim to hero. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm learning to love my spouse well. And man, that, that's the journey on the betrayer side. And then being able to, you know, hang in there when things get tough and they will get tough. You know, this process is messy. And I believe it's character building. I mean, uh, betrayer betrays because of a lack of character. And then on the other side, as a partner, and I speak as that, from my, my, my life, is that I lacked character in the sense of trusting myself and trying to learn, live and, and learn in peace. I mean, truth. I think there were times where I probably knew truth. I, I just didn't have the wherewithal to lay down. I couldn't even spell boundaries, much less use them. <laughs> 
I was like, you know, I didn't know what they were. I like a calf looking at a new gate. What's a boundary? You mean I can say that? I can do that? And so it was a lot of character development in my own life, in recovery and the therapy and the intensive work that I did to bring character in my own life, that I could stand at the short place and be, be trust my authentic self, that either you like me or don't like me. And if you don't like me, then I'm not going to die and I'm not going to wither away. I'm fine. And that's a huge growth process on our side is that what am I gonna, who am I going to be or what am I going to do if this person doesn't stay with me or leaves me? And that's a character growth on my part as a, as a partner that realizes that, you know, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, when you talk about boundaries, um, I always know I'm in, I know it's going to be a lot. At least you knew there was a word called boundaries. You may not have known how to spell it, but you know, when I'm sitting with a guy and he starts talking about these barriers, like I'm, I'm like, are you, are you talking about the highway department barrier? What, what are you talking? You know, he, he doesn't even know the, that there is a word called boundaries. He's using barriers. And I just go, boy, this is, this is going to be a long process. <laughs> so you, you knew there was a word. You just couldn't spell it. Uh, you, were, you were ahead of the game. But that, that boundary work is, is so fundamental. Um, and really, I believe, and I know you, we're on the same page, and this idea of boundaries it really is about my character, about my integrity, about my values, and who I am as a man. So often people think that it's like somehow I've got to set a boundary on you. And um, I think it's just more about the idea of like, you know, <laughs> these are things I will accept. These are things I will not accept. These are things that I will do. These are things that I will not do. Um, and and I'm going to live out of that value system, uh, which is my integrity as a man. Uh, and, and it's, it, you know, setting boundaries um, is, is, I think, problematic um, because you can set boundaries all day long. Um, and, and chances are, if you're in a, in a relationship with uh, somebody that's unhealthy and doesn't even know what that there's a word called boundaries they're they're gonna blow right through that and then you got to be prepared you know um to follow through on whatever it is that okay you know this is who i am as a man and if this happens this is what i will do uh, or this is who i am as a woman you know same thing on the other side of the fence you know earlier in my re recovery uh, i heard somebody wise and somebody that mentored me over the years say to me, Eli, he says, no one has ever achieved the more intimate of a relationship, the more boundaries exist. And, and it's like, because mm. without boundaries, there's no safety. So if I don't know where I stop and another begins, if I don't know what's going to create safety for me, then I'm never going to be willing to be authentic because it's too scary. It's too frightening. And so part of the deal is, is that as I learn to establish more boundaries in my life and in my relationships, the more intimacy I get to experience because I can show up authentically and be safe. And I think, I think that's really key in the sense that there is intimacy. There's a direct correlation between intimacy and boundaries. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. You know, I, and I'm just uh, curious, you know, I think you and I've, talked about this maybe you Eva and I've talked about this you know one of the things we tell couples that you know boundaries are more individual to like who I am as a man who I am as a woman and then in the relationship um, it's it's more about agreements uh, that we have and we often say you know uh, well-boundaried healthy people uh, they keep their agreements so it's connected to boundaries for sure, but it's more about, you know, these agreements that we have to have uh, in order to have a relationship. And so I just, I'm just curious. Um, I think we've, we've talked about that, um, you know, agreements versus boundaries. And certainly the more intimate a relationship, um, the more agreements you're going to have. It's like, you know, I have an unspoken agreement with my neighbor 
you know, don't, don't come, you know, get my lawnmower out of the garage without asking me. Uh, I, I might let you use it if you're a pretty good neighbor, but might not, but it, but, but you gotta, you, you know, the agreement is you gotta come ask me. And then, you know, there's, those are unspoken agreements, but like in, in the, in the long-term marriage relationship, well, there's just, there's lots of agreements. And so it's just that idea of agreements versus boundaries. Um, but Ron, they're not necessarily, you remember the green triangle thing that I used? Oh yeah. <clears throat> it's not versus. It means that there may be times where it's like, okay, I'm not going to remain in a relationship where you don't stay honest with me. Yeah. Now that's a boundary, but it's also relational because if you stay in the relationship, you're going to agree to maintain that honesty. Yeah. If you don't agree, the relationship's not going to make it. Yeah. So, yeah. And so bottom line is there's also that, you know, you move from boundaries to, to negotiate and look at options. Is You can stand there and negotiate. Say, well, what if I say that I'll be honest with you within 24 hours? We teach that. You know that. And so uh, I've got a 24-hour window that I've got to be honest. I've got to come clean with you where I, if I'm sober or if I'm being honest or whatever's my life, you know, you're going to be updated every 24 hours. Now, that's a negotiated thing. You, you sat in your office with couples over and over and over and done that. Oh, yes. So, so there's that combination of on the green triangle, which if somebody out there wants to see that, it's a YouTube channel, show up 365, and it's conflict, how to, you know, how to work through conflicts. You'll see the triangle. This, that's all free. But bottom line is, is that you bounce, you, you work in a healthy relationship, an adult relationship, by navigating between boundaries, negotiating, looking at options and ownership, responsibility. And so it was what you were saying earlier. You know, I've deceived this person. It's my responsibility now to build that honesty back, to build the trust back, to live transparent with integrity. Yeah, and I I, I like how you you know certainly frame that. Um, you know, it it's like it's boundaries uh, and agreements, and and they're really you know, they, they are certainly tied together. Um, it's a both and kind of thing with boundaries and agreements. I mean, they just, they just go hand in hand. So when, um, in, in just working with a, um, a partner, uh, and you know, they, they can get in those, you know, stuck places. Um, and you know, th this idea of triggers and, um, and, uh, so often, um, boy, it's like, they just, they'll get stuck in that place and, and just kind of continue to spin. And certainly on the other side of the fence, uh, man, it is a, it is a frustrating endeavor, uh, when there's just a kind of this constant, um, you know, instead of asking for reassurance, um, it, it, it moves into, you know, an accusation, you know, they've got this story in their head, uh, that you've done this. Um, and so how, how do you help a partner kind of move beyond that? Well, let's go back to what we said earlier, Ron. Part of that, when we don't have the full story of whatever's going on in our world, we our brain fills in blanks. We fill in the blanks that we don't know. And so in the early days, the process is, is that usually the, the portrayed partner has filled in a lot of horrible, maybe a lot worse stories than what really took place. So it's our job now as we begin to go through that timeline of memory that we have. You've sat there with partners where they have got an incredible timeline in their head of what happened here, what happened there. What's back, I mean, they'll take you back 20, 30 years. Bottom line, though, is just what they're trying to do is to remove the story that's not true and fit it in with what is true. And that's a process. And the anxiety that a partner goes through is the normal process of the brain trying to find confidence in what you know. And that takes time. You're, you're fighting against the way God has created our brains to feel confident what we know, because throughout history of humankind, what we didn't know usually killed us. So those of us who are still left, genetically speaking, are those who felt pretty confident in what we knew because we're still here. Yeah, you know, I I remember somewhere in my training along the way, uh, you know, I, I read 
you know, it's just, you know, there's so much now on, on the brain and brain research. Uh, it's, it's, I think, the final frontier. Um, it, it, we figured out more in the last 10 years about the brain than we knew um, since time began. Uh, but one of the things that I uh, came across, and, and it's, okay, you know, the, the hippocampus uh, in a woman's, in a, in a female brain, um, you know, is, is, and the hippocampus is, as you were, you know, we're talking about the base part of the brain, the limbic system, and that's where the hippocampus is. And in a, in a female brain, it's twice as large as that of a male brain. And the hippocampus is where memory and emotion are stored. And it's like, boy, I read that. I think I threw the book across the room and probably cussed because I'm like, oh gosh, she's, she's right. You know, that, that argument that we had 10 years ago, that, that thing that happened, you know, she can remember where we were, uh, what I was wearing, what she was wearing, uh, what I said, oh my goodness, holy cow. Um, and so I think often in working with, you know, female partners, you know, that, that, that hippocampus, um, is, you know, memory and emotion. And, you know, when there's this betrayal trauma, well, now you've got, you know, supercharged memory and emotion. And that's one reason I think it, it does take, uh, it just is, is I've heard you say, you know, just, it takes time, tears and talking and lots of it. And boy, it's just, it is a, it is certainly a process. Now, Ron, we talked about how this is so laborious and time consuming, but I also want us to kind of really encourage the audience to realize that to be able to live in a sense of mental safety, that you can trust what you know, or if you don't know how to set up a boundary, do be safe. And that level of self-confidence is, is, is worth every step you take along this difficult journey because that confidence is more in self and what you trust in yourself than anything else. And, and I think that that's really key if we're talking to partners. Oh, my, I'll never get you. Know, you can get there whether your partner, your betrayer is ever honest. Boy, that's so true. There's a lot of hope. Now, we're talking about a lot of work, and yes. But, you know, mental health is a commitment to a lot of work anyway. And yeah. so you choose to live in fear and anxiety if you want, or do the work and, and live in confidence in what you know. And what I know is what I know. Now, I can be wrong, but I'm going to be wrong in what I know. I don't want to be wrong in what you tell me. Mm. Boy, that's so, good. And we've been taught that kind of dynamic to, uh, to if it, we hear it preached from the pulpit or we hear it taught on a sermon or we hear it taught on radio, that we, we're supposed to believe it. And instead of teaching us that, no, you're on a journey to learn to trust your own intuition, your own sensitivity to the spirit, and that you can walk in faith because, you know, and, and, and integrity, regardless of what the other does in your life. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's part and betrayed. Yeah. And, you know, boy, that's such a great point, Eli, this, you know, and there's so much hope um, in doing this work because, you know, what, certainly we, we, we're, we're, we don't advocate divorce. We, we fight hard with couples to try to, make the marriage work and all of that. But, you know, there may be times uh, and, uh, where it's, it's time to pull the plug, um, you know, to stay in a relationship where somebody's continuing to act out. And, um, and I mean, that, that's just, that's abusive. Um, and it, it's a horrible, miserable life. Um, but if, if we do this work, um, man, that's, that pays dividends for the rest of our life. And, you know, even if we do the work and uh, divorce happens, man, we're going we're gonna to be a much wiser, much more aware uh, person uh, out there. Um, in, in when we're, you know, looking for that next spouse, uh, man, uh, we're going to realize that, you know, all those red flags are not necessary or necessarily a carnival, right? We're going to actually know, uh, you know, what those red flags are, and uh, we're going to run for our lives um, because we've become aware uh, and we've grown. 
and we know who we are, and you know we have boundaries, and all the dividends, all the everything that comes out of that from the development of our character and who we are and our security and our boundaries and uh, all the good stuff. Uh, I think that, you know, this is what Jesus offered us, you know, that, that abundant life that he talked about and, but it, it is, it is, it is available. And we, if we do the work, man, we, you can, we can actually experience that. Well, Ron, not only that, but as you know, with your children, I know of my son, who you'll be with fishing this next week or so. <laughs> but, uh, he is, he has gained so much from my failure uh, and setting boundaries and all that and learning, watching me walk through recovery, even sitting in some of my meeting, 12-step meetings with me, is that he's seen, you know, the, the, the fruit of that hard labor over years. And so... You know, today now he's going into counseling himself, and a lot of that has to do with the hard work that he watched me struggle and go through, and my mistakes and failures, uh, leaving him with a legacy that's far greater than what I got when I was his age, if that makes any sense to you. So, oh, the, yeah. so the payoff as to what we're changing generations down the road is it's unmeasurable. It's immeasurable. So it's like, you know, not only do we live this abundant life you're talking about, but we're giving a legacy to our children, our children's children, of a healthy way of living. Yeah, it it really is. You know, all of this um, uh, is generational work. Um, and man, I'm just you know so excited that uh, that Eldridge is uh, going to going to join the fold uh, in 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 the counseling world because he'll be a good one, um, and we need. We need good ones. Uh, that those those are. Um, I always tell people, you know, finding a good counselor is like finding a good plumber. You need to ask around. Uh, don't just don't just look in the yellow pages. Uh, oh, there I go, man. That that's one of those. Yeah, that's one of those old. Yeah, Ben's over here. He's shaking his head. You know, I'm 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 old. Eli knows what yellow pages are. Um, you don't just search the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you you actually ask uh, others, um, and you ask the counselor. You know, tell me about the work that you've done, uh, to because to go sit with somebody that uh, has learned this stuff in a textbook, um, you're probably actually going to be worse off uh, in going and working with that person. Uh, so, man, Eldridge has uh, has lived it uh, uh, in watching you and learning from you. And just you know how you've modeled it, and uh, you know I'm 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 fortunate too. You know my oldest son, uh, Roe, is a counselor, uh, works with us, and um, and you know he always says you know he he's been in recovery uh, since he was uh, uh, four years old, <laughs> so, and and he's thirty six. So yeah, he's 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 lived recovery. You know with a. And uh, with a mom and dad, you know, uh, yeah, doing their work and all that good stuff. Uh, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, not not always perfect. And we went through a lot of hell. And you know, they 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 experienced that. Um, you know, my, both of my sons, Ro and Josh. And um, however, you know, the thing that they've done is, you know, they've both done their work. Um, and uh, and when we all get together now with their, uh, you know, their wives, our daughter-in-laws and, uh, our, our grandbaby, our two and a half year old grandbaby daughter. And we got, we got another one coming in December, but man, when we get together and hang out, there's just, there's nothing greater because of just the, well, there's no secrets, uh, in our family. There's nothing that can't be talked about. Uh, it's, it really is just kind of uh, the idea of freedom, uh, and man, we just we have a blast. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just this work uh, will will pay pay dividends. Uh, this investment, um, uh, you know, it is it is generational dividends. That's for sure. You said something wrong about we certainly didn't do it perfect. I don't know that a child or any family member really, really expects perfection. 
I think that they really respect you, you know, your children really respect yours and Eva's determination to stay at it. I mean, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep working. It's, it's nothing about perfect because that has given your children hope or they wouldn't have gone into counseling that they're doing or Eldridge. So it's like, I've never been perfect, I'm, but you know, I might fall on my face, but he, my son, my wife saw me get back up and go at it again. So it's like, I think that sends confidence, a message of confidence and trust that I'm not going to trust that my dad or mom are doing it perfect, but I am going to trust that they're going to keep going at it. And if they, I keep seeing them get back up and go at it, I can trust that. Man, I think that's, that's, you know, I think that's just the key to even this idea of recovery. Um, you know, we always say that recovery is simply, you know, I'm, I'm recovering the life that God intended me to live uh, when, he, when he decided to make me, right? Uh, and, you know, life happened and we got off track and, you know, uh, now, now we're back on track, uh, moving towards uh, living that life that he intended us to live. And um, I do believe, man, that, that's what Jesus talked about, that abundant life. And boy, all the, all the good stuff um, is the great Kenny Chesney, the theologian Kenny Chesney saying the good stuff of life, uh, man, that's where it's at. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's worth every step. Uh, it's worth every penny. It's worth every, uh, amount, every, uh, minute that we spend, you know, doing this work. Um, and it's hard, uh, but boy, it's so worth it. So Eli, just before we wrap up, um, man, uh, just talk a little bit about, um, this, um, like the idea of, like empathy uh, on the betrayed side of the fence um, for the for the one that they've betrayed, because that's one of the things that I just you know hear uh, so often, and I see it. Um, it's you know it's just very little empathy and kind of joining uh, with that other person's world that you've destroyed. Um, and being able to move into that, I know you and I talked recently, and um, one of the things you're doing with uh, some of the uh, betrayers uh, is just this idea of, uh, I think it was ownership and empathy, and just just talk a minute uh, for uh, kind of how you're working with that. Sure. I think that, first of all, as a therapist, I'm recognizing the fact that if somebody lacks the ability to be empath empathetic, to their betrayed spouse, that most likely they're not sober-minded. Now, whether they're sober and they're acting out or not is a different story. I think that they can be that way, but I'm going after the sober-mindedness. Now, that's that's a point where someone is learning to live. They're doing. They're living a life where there's lower anxiety. They're, com they're connecting in a community. Now, the thing about going to a twelve-step meeting is pointless about what you hear. It's pointless about the readings they do. That's, that is so secondary to the main reason is that you're going to that meeting and your brain is saying, here's some people that's got the same story that I do. And your brain heals because it's that me too factor. I'm not talking about the me too out there this, today, but it's like, yeah. I get it. Somebody here gets me. And you're not going to get that from your partner early on. And so beginning to get that connection and saying, here are guys that understand my struggle. Here, here are people who get me. And that's, an, that's empathy and it's healing. The second thing is, is that have they worked enough of their program to be sober-minded? In other words, are they living in their adult brain above that six-year-old petulant brain that's below the reticular formation? And are they living in their adult brain? And if they are, they have the capacity for empathy. If they're their anxiety is so high that they've dropped down into the lower brain. That part of the brain does not have the capacity for empathy. It doesn't care about anything or anybody. It, that part of the brain, as a matter of fact, the amygdala will shut down every organ in the body so it can live longer. So it's like, so you're thinking about empathy. It'll even kill off your organs in your own body. So it, it's the first to come online, the last one to go, unless somebody blows your head off. Now, so that, that dynamic is, is that, okay, if they're struggling with empathy, 
their level of anxiety is really high. And I go after that with, okay, let's do some things that's going to lower your anxiety and fear where you live in life. So that that peace passes all understanding. We keep your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thinking in Christ. And it goes on to think on these things. So I said, what are you thinking about on a daily basis? You know, and so go there. It's in the mind. What are they doing with their head? Are they sober-minded? You know, the, the cure for what ails us, it is connection. And um, if, 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 if a guy gets connected uh, in, a, in a healthy group uh, and begins to share and talk, and uh, he, he begins to experience uh, chronic exposure to love and acceptance, and that shame begins to heal, um, you know, that, that's the path of healing. Uh, and I, I, I loved what you said. It's not the content of of any group. It's one reason, you know. In my uh, my my groups, uh, I don't do uh, a, a workbook. I, I don't do a book study. Um, I may bring something and talk about it. But you know, the goal in these groups that that we do, um, it is truly intimacy. And you know, that can wig people out. Uh, well, I thought you did men's group. Uh, it is, uh, you know, and the idea of intimacy is just simply knowing and being known. And uh, that's why we always say this thing that we're facing in this betrayal and infidelity, it's always an intimacy disorder. And the only way that that's going to heal is you've got to begin to practice it. And the best way to practice that is in a safe group with others that have had similar experiences. To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com. Thank you.